0: Father, we uh, thank you for David, the singer of Psalms and the bearer of your word to us this morning. And so we pray that as we consider his his exhortation to us to praise you and his testimony about your faithfulness, that it would do us good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about being clothed with joy. Here we are in the Psalms this week and next week as well. We'll do Psalm 8 next week, a little holiday break before we start into Romans. Psalms is a beloved book, but it can be a challenging book as well. C.S. Lewis said of the Psalms, the dominant impression I get from reading the Psalms is one of antiquity. I seem to be looking into a deep pit of time, through a lens which brings the figures who inhabit that depth up close to my eye. He found those figures shockingly alien, he said. Creatures of unrestrained emotion, sobbing, cursing, screaming in exultation, dancing to the din of strange musical instruments. He had a vivid imagination, old C.S. Lewis. He was quite a button-down old Englishman, I suspect, so the uh, the unrestrained emotion of the psalms, was quite confronting. And there are in the psalms some very confronting moments, some very confronting psalms. Of course, there are some uh, favourites, some wonderful and eminently relatable psalms, Psalm 23, just to name perhaps the most well-known and popular. But there are some psalms we really don't know what to do with, either because they're very long and repetitious, not to say tedious, like Psalm 119, or they are full of kind of mystifying shifts between praising the Lord and raging against enemies and lamenting sins. And, or they're slightly horrifying at some points. I um, don't know if you've come across in the Psalms some verse that makes you think, oh my goodness, really? Today's psalm, Psalm 30, is not horrifying. It's not strangely disjointed or too long. It's a pretty nice, accessible psalm. Like many other psalms, it may speak powerfully to us, but it can also puzzle us. So today I want to think about how to read a psalm, uh, Psalm 30 especially, as an example. Uh, and then I want to ask, what do I do with this psalm, uh, Psalm 30 at least? So let's look at, have a look at how to read a psalm, or at least to read Psalm 30. I find to read a psalm, it is excellent to pay attention to who is speaking. Who is speaking this psalm, who is speaking in this psalm, and to think carefully about who they are. Many psalms have notes at the top in small print in your Bibles, and uh, we have printed in the um, outline those notes because they are part of the text of the Bible. Often the headings in your Bible are put there by modern editors but in the psalms when it says a psalm a song for the dedication of the temple of david all those notes are part of the bible's text in fact in the hebrew bible they are verse one of the psalm so don't skip over them or ignore them they're there from god to give you help and it says of course that this is a psalm of david uh So we are to hear this psalm from the mouth of David. He's the speaker saying, I will exalt you, Lord. Now, who is David? David is many things. He is the man after God's own heart. He is the one that God chose and sent Samuel to anoint to be king of Israel in the place of Saul. He is a person of faith. And as a boy could step out with confidence to face Goliath, to face him in the name of the Lord. He's a person of great faith. He is also someone who fell into disgrace and needed mercy from God. And there are many stories of this. If you've read through 1 and 2 Samuel, you may remember that David is the one who committed adultery with Bathsheba and committed murder when he had Uriah's husband, Sorry, Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, dispatched in battle. He is the one who failed to deal with Amnon's sin against Tamar and had his son Absalom rebel against him. He is the one who foolishly numbered the fighting men of Israel and brought a plague upon the nation. He had plenty of low moments where he needed God's mercy. You may not know all these stories of David, but rest assured he had a number of times in his life where he sinned. He slipped He went down into a pit, so to speak, and he was in need of mercy. The last thing we might mention about David is that he was the singer of prophetic songs, the composer of spirit-inspired psalms, the player of the harp. And when we read a psalm of David, we need to think about the words of the psalm from kind of all these angles. Psalm 30 begins, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. These are the words of someone whose enemies were threatening, who was somehow wounded or ill and needed healing, who experienced God's anger and from whom God hid his face, in verse 7. Lord, when you favoured me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. Here is someone who needed God's mercy. He is a vulnerable sinner under some judgment. Now, the exact nature of the crisis that he is remembering is is not specific. It's rather broad and rather vague, and... So we don't know, is it that David is remembering when he was being pursued by Saul? Is it that David is remembering when he was being pursued by Absalom? Is it David remembering when the plague was sweeping across the nation? It doesn't in the end matter which specific circumstance may have been in David's mind, whether one of these or another. The psalm is broad and wide enough that its scope takes in a myriad of situations. And that is part of what makes it useful for not just David, but for all of us. So these are the words of someone who was in trouble. They are also in the words of someone who lived by faith. Because in his distress, whom did David call upon? Lord, my God, I called to you for help. We read in verse 2. Verses 8 to 10. To you, Lord, I called. To the Lord I cried for mercy. What is to be gained if I am silenced, if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear me, Lord, and be merciful to me. Lord, be my help. In verse 9 especially, David puts a case to God that if God lets him die and come to nothing, then God would lose a grateful creature. And we might wonder, does David appeal to some kind of vanity in God in making this argument? Is David saying, oh, you know, God, how much you like to be praised. And you won't get any praise from me if you knock me off. So don't do it. Now, I suggest we should think a little differently about the question of praising God and David's appeal to God in the psalm. For God does not need anything from us. Certainly, he does not need his vanity stroked, as if he had any vanity to be stroked. As Paul said in Athens, God is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. So God is the giver. And when we receive a good gift... At our best, we are spontaneously grateful. That gratitude naturally bubbles up into thanks and praise, which heightens and deepens the pleasure and the sense of the goodness of the gift and the giver and of ourselves as recipients of the gift. It's a kind of wonderful, virtuous circle. This is the experience that God intends for us, it's the experience that He intends to be at the centre of our lives that he gives us life and all that is good and that we receive it with delight and that our gratitude heightens this experience and deepens our bond with God and that our expression of thanks and praise to him be the product of the knowledge that we are loved, we are blessed and that we love and bless in return. Now, sin threatens that dynamic of gift and delight and gratitude and praise. For sin is, at a deep level, ingratitude. Romans 1 describes sin like this Although they, human beings, knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Those two things go together. Refusing to give thanks to God and having a foolish and dark heart. To refuse to thank God the giver is to twist yourself into a crooked shape. It is to be a sinner. When David says, What is to be gained if I am silenced? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? He's saying to God, I understand you intend for me and for all creatures that we might receive your gifts, delight in them, be filled with gratitude to you and lift our praises up in response. And so, for the sake of your great goal of establishing your creation as a place of gift and delight and gratitude and praise, don't send me away, but have mercy on me. Make this act of mercy, although I don't deserve it, one more gift that I can praise and thank you for. Don't opt for the return to dust button. And so this psalm contains the experience of someone who needed God's mercy and whose faith prompted them to seek it from God. It also contains the experience of someone who did receive God's mercy, whose prayers were answered. Verse 3 You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Verse 5 His anger lasts only a moment, but His favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. This is his testimony. Verses 11 and 12. You turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. And so the psalm ends where it began. The testimony to God's salvation. I will exalt you, Lord. For you lifted me up out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Well, there's the psalm. What will we do with it? Let's think about that for a while. I think, firstly, we need to understand this psalm as prophetic, as the word of God that sheds light on our lives, that speaks God's message to us. This is not just the prayer of one person, David, who was happy when he wrote this psalm, because things had been bad in his life and now they were good again. And so he he thinks, I'll write a psalm to say how grateful to God I am for that. It's not just that. If that's what all the psalm was, then, you know, maybe you and I would relate to it on some days when we'd had some deliverance that we were grateful for. But, you know, most days it would be someone else's story and not mine. But this psalm is a song that is the song of all believers. It gives expression to the experience of everybody saved by God. David, in his prophetic role, sings as the archetypal believer. And we can say this psalm as those who have been saved by Christ. We can say, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me up out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me lord my god i called to you for help and you healed me for our enemies are ultimately the devil and all his hordes our illness is the disease of sin which has made our thinking futile and darkened our heart and through jesus christ god has defeated the devil 1 John 4.8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Through Jesus Christ, God has healed the wounds of sin. 1 Peter 2.24, he, Jesus himself, bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And through Jesus Christ, God has and will bring us up from the realm of the dead. John 5.25, Jesus said, A time is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. This is a psalm about being clothed with joy. You turned my wailing into dancing, you removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy and... Some of that joy is part of the Christian life now. As we say this psalm as believers in Jesus, we can rejoice because we know the joy of the forgiveness of our sins, the burden of our guilt being lifted. We know the joy of knowing Christ, the joy that comes from receiving the Holy Spirit, the joy that comes from the hope of eternal life, the joy that comes from fellowship with other Christians. We have these joys and we can rejoice in them even now. However, in other ways, we are still in the threatened and ill and dying stage. We are still in the insecure and needing mercy and crying out and wearing sackcloth part of the story. And what we need to do with Psalm 30 is to let it say to us that this is how it will be in the end. Ultimately, all believers will stand where David stands in this psalm. We may not feel like we're standing there today, saying, I will exalt you, Lord, for you have delivered me. We might feel like, oh my goodness, I'm I'm crying out for deliverance. Have mercy on me, Lord. But ultimately, all believers will stand where David stands in this psalm, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, clothed with joy, ready to sing God's praises, seeing for ourselves clearly that his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Christians have a long history of saying the Psalms. When we say them, we're not meaning to insist that this is how we feel Now but we are learning a pattern of understanding ourselves in relation to God. And we are taking up in faith the words that we trust will be the truth for us in the end. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to uh, understand this psalm and what it says to us and how it ministers to us. Help us to hear in it the confession of a believer, a believer who has known sin and your displeasure, who has known suffering and insecurity, a believer who has cried out to you for mercy who has pleaded with you for your help and has found you faithful and merciful, who has had their wailing turned into dancing and been clothed with joy. So Lord, help us to trust that that will be our experience too as we put our trust in you and that even when we feel as if we're going down to the pit, that in the end we will stand and say, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me up out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.